should Christians get political? And if they should, is there a, well, for lack of a better word, Christ-like way to get political? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, culture critic, friendly neighborhood political junkie, and with me as always is my pretentiously profound co-host, Nathan Clarkson. I'm an actor, an author, and a, um, a well, I have to be contrarian and iconoclast. So this will go Ooh. really well. Ooh, fun. Yeah, and I'm not thinking you're necessarily just going things. to cheese off everybody. Yes. yes that These is. are just things that are true about my personality. Yeah. So this will be a fun episode. Oh, I'm sure. It's very, very fun. Speaking of the episode that we're going to do, today we're talking about something that we have very intentionally avoided during our podcast. Politics. <laughs> <laughs> they say not to talk about this with your with your wife's uh, family. Politics, religion, and what was it? Or that it? I, I think that's it. I think well, that's, we, we come religion. We come religion all the time. So, it's, so now we're just going to get rid of all of our fans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan Sher, can you give us some cartoon screams? <laughs> Thank you. It's not a new thing to say that today's politics are extremely polarized. You don't have to scroll down very far in your social media timeline to see friends and neighbors, even people you admire, engage in angry political rants against their political opponents on either side. But it's often worse than many people think. According to the New York Times article, No Hate Left Behind, 20% of Democrats and 16% of Republicans believe that the country would be better if large numbers of the opposing party suddenly died. And the and if the other party won the 2020 election, 18% of Democrats and 13% of Republicans say that violence would be justified. Wow. According to the More and Common Project, around 44% of Americans can't accurately describe what or who people who disagree with them politically are like and believe. Lately, we've seen that violence realized in some places in real life. But we also see the results on our social media pages, where people regularly dehumanize each other for their political views, or in families where people cut off relationships over politics. While most people believe that some political views are beyond the pale, most people believe the level of polarization we have right now is too much. What's even worse is that the people and institutions we would normally look to in order to help us overcome the polarization are in fact fueling it. Journalists and the media, academics, pastors and churches, sports teams and artists. Many of these people are actively engaging in the same dehumanization of those they disagree with and encouraging their followers to do the same. Of course, many people have sounded off on this problem of polarization, like social scientist Arthur Brooks, sociologist Jonathan Haidt, and Reverend Timothy Keller. Yet despite the best efforts of well-meaning people, the polarization continues. Nathan, why is this country so polarized, and why have the efforts of people of goodwill decreased to decrease the polarization failed? And should Christians be political at all? And how can you formulate your answer to cheese off the absolute maximum number of people? <laughs> <laughs> I won't even have to try. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I will try to be winsome and eloquent in my response. As you always um, are. But that's, that's a big question. Why is it so polarized? Um, it's interesting, as I think all of us have been uh, scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. The, Especially Twitter. <laughs> yeah, this, during 2020, it has been... I mean, it's just been really interesting, interesting to putting it lightly, to watch this phenomenon take place of divisiveness that I didn't think could get any worse, further, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Any, any worse. And it just, it doubles down. Like every month, every day, I see people who were friends hating each other. I see, I mean, it, not a day goes by, I don't find a comment thread somewhere of 
two intelligent and probably genuinely normal, nice people yeah. just berating each other, insulting each other. I mean, and I've seen things like, um, go kill yourself, die. I hate you. You're scum. You're subhuman. Yeah. And by the way, this has come from both sides of the political aisle. Yeah. I have seen terrible, terrible interactions um, and behavior on both sides. So why are we so polarized? I don't know. I can't say that word. I don't want to. <laughs> um, my guess is that somewhere along the line, we have conflated, uh, if we've lost a sense of God and our connection to him, uh, especially within society and especially within our individual selves, we have removed his perspective, removed his view on the world, his grid for morality, for understanding, for making sense of the world around us. And in its place, we have replaced um, politics and more specifically our tribes, our sides, mm. our parties. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of study into the phenomenon of tribes and how every human was made for community. Sure. And every human is made for safety, security with inside the bounds of a community of people who think like you, who protect you, who watch out for you, help right. you understand the world around you. And I think what we see now is the world's being understood through the lens of politics. That's pretty much right. it. You know, I know people on both the right and the left who they watch only their news. They read only their, um, their outlets and everything in the news and in those outlets gives them everything they need to know about the world. Uh, it gives them good guys and bad guys. And it gives them a clear understanding of not just what's happening out there, but who they are. They are this, they are a good person because they believe in X, Y, Z. And if you don't believe in X, Y, Z, then you are one of the bad people. And you have these, we've talked about confirmation bias before. Right. And so you have this set of rules to exist in a tribe on either side of the aisle. Um, and, and this goes down to, you know, uh, uh, very micro tribes. It goes, but I'm just talking about the, the two major conservative and liberal right. uh, ideologies that are at war today in the United States. Both of these tribes give you a list of things to adhere to, to check right. off. Right. And if you would like to remain in this tribe, remain safe, remain understood, remain in the community, you pretty much have to check everything down. And it asks you not to think, but just to accept this list of tribal um, uh, requisites to be right. here. And so what I find is a lot of times it's not even that people are mad over politics. They are scared for their tribe. They're protecting right. themselves and their identity because if someone challenges something in their tribe about their identity, it kind of has this, uh, this whole, it, it puts people into an identity crisis. Who am I? What do I believe? Am I wrong? And so it's something that a lot of people can't even face. So they have this thing, confirmation bias. They need things to bolster their preconceived ideas so that can remain safe in a comfortable, um, secure community place and identity. And obviously I think there's a lot more than that, but that's what I've noticed going on a lot with a lot of my more partisan friends on both sides is it's not just their politics. It used to be, maybe I wasn't alive when it used to be, but in my life, I feel like it's gotten worse, but I feel like it used to be where, oh, you're a conservative, I'm a, a, a progressive, but you know we disagree, but we can be friends. I, I watched recently the John McCain, um, there's a clip of him, and someone made a wild assertion about Barack Obama when he was running against him. Right. And John McCain, I don't know the exact quote, but he said, no, that's not true. Don't say that. He's a decent family man who I just happen to disagree strongly on some political things. That doesn't, that's not an indictment of his character. I just went against him because I think there's a better way to accomplish what we all want. But now I think you see um, people aren't taking that approach. Right. You can't believe the other side is decent. You, there has to be a good guy and a bad guy. And if they're not on your side, they're the bad guys. 
And I think this happens ultimately as a result of removing God from our grid uh, of what makes sense of the world. I think that's, wow, so much there. I, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to forget all the things I want to say. <laughs> and you're really, we're going to really live up to our name overthinkers on this. <laughs> but I'll say this. First, first of all, I will say, just as a question on that, before I get into sort of some of my things I'm thinking about, I think it's, it's very true. So um, James Davidson Hunter, who's famous for writing A Secular Age and uh, To Change the World, and he's considered by one of the probably one of, a very brilliant man, he's really one of the smartest Protestant thinkers you know, uh, alive today. But he uh, said that there's something very particularly weird about our politics today, and particularly in America, where every single issue is now a political issue hmm. where it's that if, you know, if you have a problem of like, okay, how do we solve poverty? How do we solve, what's our, like, how do we solve an issue in the culture? We say, well, how, how can we make, how can we have politics solve it? Either yeah. through a culture war battle um, that, you know, involves voting for our guy. And somehow the idea that there could be something outside of that is, is sort of something we've forgotten or don't have is not part of our culture. Again, every single issue that comes in, like whether it's something that happens on like a, a show that comes out on Netflix, yeah. or if it's something that's, you know, it's, it's something that immediately becomes a political issue that you jump into tribes. Yeah. About. There's been, recently there's been things on Netflix and you think that just, we could argue about the issues or talk about the things at hand, but it becomes a left and right issue. Exactly. You fall on whichever side you fall on. Exactly. It's like, okay, if there's, you know, a, if there's a, bad a movie on Netflix or whether you, you wear masks, suddenly it becomes a thing where it's like, you know, it's a weird thing about 2020 with the mask wearing. Whatever side you're on, it's interesting. Becoming, wearing a mask became not just something that's prudent, but became a sign that you're an enlightened person if you wore them. Or if you didn't wear them, it became a sign that you were, you know, standing up against the man. And so it was like, it was like, no, it didn't become something that you did because it was prudent or you didn't. It became a way of identifying your tribe. Yes. And that's a weird thing we have. Now, the question thing is, you say that it's issue of God, but the thing is, you know, back in the Protestant and Catholic wars, we had God <laughs> and yet things are even more polarized than they are today. So what's the difference? I don't think there is one. Hmm. Um, I think maybe we can say, oh, we're not beheading people, but we are beheading their character, sure. their careers, their, uh, their, their public image. Sure. And so, yes, we're not, we're not maybe as animalistic in the sense of we're not taking people's lives sure. in a physical sense, but I think very often we, I mean, look, we did a whole podcast on cancel culture. Right. We, we're not just taking their lives, but we're trying to take their livelihoods. Yeah. We attempt yeah. to take their right. public life, their right. character life, their whatever it might Yeah, their be. ability to get social capital. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. So we are still enacting a kind of violence. I'm not equating the no, 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 yeah. One is for sure worse. Far worse, yes. <laughs> but there isn't a violence that so we are enacting against somebody because they have alternate views and ours. And I think um, it's interesting you talk about the Protestant Catholic Wars that happened uh, years and years and years ago. Um, we've talked about this before in terms of movies. We've talked about this in right. terms of uh, whatever it might be that people's heart longs for ultimately church. Yeah. I know that's a big statement, but what it breaks down to is we long for a community that gathers around central ideas and helps them understand the world. Yeah. And that's what church does. We were made to long for that. We were right. made to want that. We were made, and that's what church offers. Whether you believe in it or not, right. what they teach there, the reason we have cults, the reason right. we have church, I'm sorry guys, it's the same reason, right. is because we're intrinsically and created to desire community that makes us helps us make sense of the, the world. The same reason people gather around a cross is the same reason they gather around a flag. Yes. And so politics and parties have become our new church in this new age where God is not playing a part. So I think that that's, that's true. I think it's interesting is that 
because of the religious wars, there became this idea. So part of modernity, we call modernity, is this philosophers and economists and people came up with the sort of collectively were like, okay, we've had a bunch of religious wars, we've had a bunch of problems, and we want to not have those anymore. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of people who it started from from Francis Bacon to John Locke, to Thomas Hobbes, you know, who kind of would thought through how could we organize society so we're not constantly killing each other over religion and politics. And as an oversimplification, that's that's part one of the things that was going on. And it came up with different solutions. But one of the solutions was that what if we just make, you know, the government, you know, uh, we we create religious liberty as one one thing. But we make the government such that whoever's in power is not as big a deal. You know, mm. as if it's like, you know, if it's if it's an issue of, oh, if there's a Protestant in charge, the Catholic, you know, my Catholic friends and I are going to, you know, my Catholic family is going to get, you know, burned at the stake. Yeah. But or if a Catholic's in charge, I'm a Protestant, my family's gonna be burned at the stake. Then politics becomes so high stakes that you have to kill the other side and keep them from getting in power, or you die. Yeah. And to a certain degree, then it was modernity part of the idea was okay, let's make the politics the stakes slightly lower so that whoever gets in charge then will actually most likely, or at least far less of the time, actually be a life-threatening situation for you. Uh, I mean, look at the 20th century. Well, of course, of course. <laughs> it's not, but the thing is, you know, that was, I mean, you know, so it didn't- have oh, a couple decades, more it, people died. It didn't, I'm not saying it totally violence. worked. I'm not saying it totally worked. <laughs> I'm saying that was the attempt. Because the thing is, they tried to, I mean, like, they tried sure, to replace, sure. they did try to replace God with politics as sort of a central identity, which is, you know, but one of the things that, you know, so there, there's so there's a lot of things like that. But one of the things is now that we have this situation here is that's the thing is we replaced that with politics. So now the issue is okay, we don't have to we we do have to worry. You know, elections in democracies and places that had religious liberty and places that had certain things tended to have less violent transfers of power because mm. of that reason, because of that reason, because it's like, well, if the you know person on this side gets into power, it's going to be really bad. He's probably not going to kill me. Now, of course, you know, where do we, else would we have really high stakes things where, for example, you know, in, in the issue of slavery, it's like, no, if this guy gets in charge, it really does matter to this group of people yeah, who's going to be enslaved or murdered. And that, but right, I see this war. rhetoric happen more and more and more. It yes. becomes more extreme. In other words, yes. we have. If, I, I heard that if Trump is elected, right. that people will die. Right. That literally people are going to be put to death. I've heard, you know, literally people say that Trump's elected, there's going to be internment camps. Right. And then I've heard the same thing. With, yep. I heard it less so with Obama. I think things have changed right. in the past few years, but I've heard right. with Biden. If Biden gets elected, all the things are socialist. Everything yes. is going. Everything is socialist. There's going to be gulags, and we're all right. going to be put to death. Right. And it's, that's the thing is that my point is that as as politics has subsumed more and more of people's identities, mm. we're becoming much more like the sort of Protestant and Catholic situation, much, than, much yeah. closer to that than we were before. Because at least in ideology, ideology think, wise, yeah. yes, ideology wise, how now, we think about other people. Now, what I'm interested in, and you know, kind of the whole point of this episode is as Christians, sure. We have just spent you know a little time criticizing the modern America on both sides. Sure, as Christians, should we be political? And, and this is something that sure. I see reflected very, very often in articles and posts, and just uh, in the zeitgeist of what's going on right now. Is that if you're a real Christian, you should be voting X. If you're a real Christian, you should be uh, going out and protesting for Y. 
right. whatever it might be. And the funny thing is, and I've noticed this throughout all of history, if you go back and look, people have used God and Christianity yeah. and religion on every side. You mentioned slavery earlier. Yes. The interesting thing about slavery uh, in the 1860s when we had the Civil War going on, you had you had Christians on both sides oh, absolutely. using scripture yep. to defend why there should still be slavery and why then you have the abolitionists yeah. who are saying, no, you should get rid of slavery because we're Christians. Right. And then you have the slaves themselves, yep. very many of whom were Christians. And so this yep. is a really interesting thing that Christianity can be used yes. and very often is used for political gain. Um, and, and so I, it's interesting to me because I heard both my liberal and my conservative friends tell me that if I'm a good Christian, yeah. I should vote for their their side. Right. And that makes me wonder, okay, well, I want to be a good Christian. Right. How do how much should a Christian be involved in politics? And I guess I go back to, and this is a little bit of oversimplification, and I know there's a lot of nuances. I mean, we're, we only have like at least a, a max an hour in this podcast, <laughs> so, you know. But, oh, okay. Well, you go back to the, the scripture in which Jesus kind of got offered the same sure. um the same question sure and you know because you have a very tumultuous time there right in which you have rome and and uh israel and, and everything's going on and all these different factions and and nuances right. of politics and um and someone came up and said okay um so what should we do should we pay taxes yeah and he says give to caesar what is caesar yeah to god for his gods what an unsatisfactory answer right. for the listener and right. which I think is and really even before that, you know, the zealots came up to him and said, Hey, so shall, can we uh, go uh, sack Rome now? Yeah. He was like, yeah. he was kind of like, eh, you know, let but me I've heard tell you a parable. Yes. It, it's, it, yeah. it's going on 2000 years later. Yeah. We're, we really, we have iPhones and cars now, but not a whole lot of change for humanity. Right. Uh, in the sense of who we are and how we think about things. Right. And it's interesting to me that Jesus gave such an unsatisfactory answer. Right. Um, one that would kind of make both sides mad yeah. and leave both sides wanting more of his position. And so, I don't know, I try to look at that when I'm looking at how political should I be. Um, I guess the answer for me is, of course, if there's something in my power that I can affect that I think might bring positive change, then absolutely I should try within my ability to affect that. But I think ultimately the job of the Christian is not to be political. And And I think right now on both sides, we are told that Christians ought to be political. I remember being in the church service once and he outright endorsed sure. a, um, uh, a candidate. And he said uh, something about if you're not voting Republican, you're not a Christian. Sure. And that Christians need to be really active. Sure. And then I went to a church in L.A. that was um, a, a very progressive church. And he essentially said the same thing. Right. That if you aren't voting Democrat, then you really don't care about the poor and, you, right. and you're not a Christian. And so it's just interesting to me how often God gets used. But if you actually go and read scripture, I think the things of Jesus that he has asked us to do the life he right. has asked us to live and the examples he has asked us to follow um, sometimes in and out of politics, but it really, it is not ultimately politics. Right. In other words, we are to feed the hungry. We are to love people. We're to bring redemption about on the earth. We're to forgive. And that can happen within politics, but it is not tied to that. And so Christians duty is not to politics. Christians duty is to follow Jesus. Yeah. And if that coincides, great. If it doesn't, then you have to continue following Jesus. And I think the thing that I'm, that I think that bothers me most with Christians who, please tell me what bothers you most. (laughs) (laughs) The Christians who tell me that to be a Christian, you have to be political is very often, it's a way to put off their own personal responsibility to be, to follow God in the world. And I'm talking 
both sides of the aisle, guys. I think very often people have conflated the Christianity with their politics right. and said, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a good progressive, so I must be a good Christian right. because I'm in favor of those people doing things. And Jesus didn't ask, ask us to do that. He didn't ask us to vote for the person who's going to do the right thing. He says, I want you to go do the right thing. I want you to live a life that is good. I want you to live a life where you are giving, loving, mm-hmm. serving. And that is what I think is our ultimate um, uh, drive should right. be is following him um, regardless of politics. I think that's an excellent point. I think, I mean, you know, it's one of the things, you know, so James Davis and Hunter, you know, talking about how everything is political in America, you know, you shouldn't wait to, like, if you believe that, you know, if you're, if you're running a corporation and you believe that, um, you know, people should be paid a certain amount of wages, you know, you don't just advocate for the government to make a minimum wage law or whatever it is. You pay your own employees the way you think yes. that it should be done. You should need to be generous. You need to be following God in whatever areas of your life, whether they're political areas or not. And I think, you know, Timothy Keller has, has something he's, you know, said recently. He did recently did an article trying to describe the different, you know, views of justice that are secular views of justice and then the biblical view of justice, which was very good. It wasn't perfect, but it was really good. Um, and no, it wasn't perfect. No, I know, right? <laughs> Somebody, a fallen human being did something that wasn't perfect. Hey, Tim Keller, uh, Joseph has a few things he'd like to tell you. Yes, exactly. Hey, hey, if you will, if you will talk to me, I will, <laughs> I will talk about many we'll things besides this. Yeah, we'll get him on the pocket. But, you know, it, it was probably one of the best summaries of, of different views of justice I, I've seen. And one of the things he talk, he's, he's talked about a lot is the fact that, look, you know, you can believe in Jesus and have different ideas of how to solve different problems. You can have different ideas of what it looks like to solve the different problems. And it might and, be wrong. And you might be wrong. And you might still be a Christian. That's, that's could, a big thing for me right now is this, we're, what, we're told to love and forgive each other and see every human as yeah. intrinsically created in God's image. And what I see is people saying, yeah, we should love each other. But if you but, hold this view, but not, I yeah. hate you and you should die. Right. No, and the thing is, I mean, you know, look, it, you know, it's, it's there, there are people who have been more dedicated to Jesus in their lives than I ever will be who believe things about God, the Bible, world, sexuality, things like that, that I completely disagree with. Mm. And they are still Christians. Mm. There are more Christians than I am, even if they believe things that I think is wrong. I mean, you know, I do see people like all the time. I see this on Twitter. I see this, you know, I mean, you know, Tim Keller, you know, he at Tim Keller, because he did this, you know, article on biblical justice, he was called a Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but also he was called a fascist. But also he was called a fascist, yes. And then I've also seen people say, look, you know, I, I've seen people say, you know, uh, that um that what was it, that if you are, you know, pro-life, that you don't actually care about the unborn children because if you did, you would vote Democrat because that's actually how you save more unborn lives. Yeah. You know, it's like there's a – well, you're not – you don't – if you disagree with me, it doesn't mean you're just wrong about something. It means there's something you – don't, you don't actually believe what you say. You have a secret evil hidden motive. Or mm. again, the ultimate thing is you're not a Christian if the way you decide to apply to Christianity is not the way I think it is. Or you don't – like, you know, again, if you – don't believe in this. You don't care about the poor. If you don't believe in this, you don't care about, you know, the unborn child. There, there are ways you can be a Christian and actually disagree on how these things should be applied. And one of the big things, I mean, you look at these, the, these studies, is that is the inability that we have to actually accurately understand the other person's view. And to actually describe what the other person believes. And is, then it's even much less having an interaction with them that's right. cordial, polite, and useful. I think it's, it's the, the, it's, 
then there's a sort of reality distortion field that happens because most of the people we're interacting with. So like there's a study that came out that was like, okay, actually being exposed to opinions alternate to you, not to you, particularly on social media, can make you more entrenched in your beliefs. But if you have friends who are on the other side of the aisle, that can actually make you more, you know, less entrenched and more um, and la- and more able to change your mind. You know, they said this a while ago. Based on you know, this was a study they did on um, homosexuality, and sure. they say that people are more likely to be homophobic or anti-gay um, if they do not have the personal interaction sure. or connection with someone who is or identifies as. Um, so it, it's it's interesting to me that I have I have these friends I have on the right and the left, and, and by the way, that is that is a place of pride for me, yeah. uh, and I mean this in a good way. I like that I have friends yeah. who think differently than me yeah. on both sides of the aisle. I like that I can be friends and see the humanity of people on both sides of the aisle because that's what they are. They are humans. They are not right. just a party. They're not just the liberals. They're not just the, the conservatives. They are people who come from contexts, who have reasons why they believe what they believe. Right. That doesn't make it right. Yeah. But when you give people context, you can understand and connect with them better. And that's what we're giving no one right now. And it's interesting. I have these two friends and I respect them very, very much. They're some of the most intelligent, wisest, loving, most Christian people I know. And the way they talk about the parting ideologies right. of the other, it is so dehumanizing. Yeah. It, it's almost this weird disconnect. I'm going, you right. are such a, you're, you're kind and you're good and you're a Christian yeah. and you love people. But the way you talk about this person is totally um, dismissive and it, it it's really, I don't know. I don't know how, quite how to say it, but what I'm saying is when you connect with people, even people who think differently right. than you, you see that they are people. Right. And I think what I would, would love to see more of is this, that we all have the same goal, right? Ultimately, sure. both the right and left, we want a good world. We want people to not go hungry. We want people to live good lives. We want people to be successful. We want people to be safe. Um, we have different ideas about the wisest way to do this. And I think there are objectively... Uh, better and worse ways to do this. But ultimately we have the same desires because we were all created by God. We have a desire for safety, for goodness, for beauty. And I think when we just totally dismiss and dehumanize someone who has those same desires, just they have a different method, uh, methodology about seeing them come to pass. I think we do ourselves a disservice of, um, uh, of creative otherizing sure. people and putting them in places um, that really disconnects us. And I think that's what we see happening over and over again. And ultimately, I think that comes down to we now as a nation, both left and right, are putting our hope, we talked about this earlier, in politicians, politics, and the state of being our God, and more so than that, of being our identity. Right. And I read a great tweet a while ago. I do not remember who it's from, so this cannot come back to me somehow, um, that I followed this person. I can't believe <laughs> this person. Oh, how convenient. Um, but he said, if you are truly following Christ... You will probably have views, um, just enough views that will put you on the outs of either side of the political aisle. Because, uh, which is really interesting to me to think about how, think about Jesus coming now and being asked the same kinds of questions he was asked then sure. and giving the same kind of non-satisfactory answer that put him on the out of both tribes. And I think ultimately we're called to follow God, not politicians. And I know that's overly simplistic, maybe it's um, utopianism, but I do think that we ought to, uh, maybe it's fantasy, we ought to follow God, not politics. And right now what I see a lot of people putting their hope in their identities is politics. So what is the way to 
um, to do this? Like, a two things. One, how do we actually get to a place where we can have more friends? You know, who well, that's the same thing. How can we to make things less polarized, mm. to make things more healthy? Because this is the thing. You know, the most again, Lisa, the, the most people, the people who have been most um, dehumanizing to the other, have been I've seen on social media have been Christians. Have been not not other secular people, other Christians, mm. and. So I'm saying is how do we model something better, do something better, be able to, and just not not just Christians, but as people, how do we do a better job of being less polarized, but then actually having conversations that are not just, oh, we can come together and agree to disagree, but actually have conversations where we can actually find solutions to things. Because that's the thing is, you know, it's very fine and well for somebody to say, hey, we should come together and be less polarized. But we also want to actually solve problems because people are going to get hurt if problems are not solved. So how do we actually have, you know, uh, how do we have to deal with some of these issues that make it less, us less polarized and then be able to come together to have better solutions? You know, I often say I hate to be this guy. I don't. I want to be this guy <laughs> who goes back and looks at the life of Jesus and how he treated people in the issues of the day. Oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look back in, in scripture, you see they had all the same kind of problems we do, whether it's racism or classism or political, you know, uh, angst and anger. And, you know, you have um, the Samaritans and the Jews who are all, who are at, at odds with each other and they have um, a long history of not liking each other. And here you have Jesus come and he tells a story about a good Samaritan, someone that the Jews of the day would have looked down upon. Um, and, he, and he shows these two opposite sides coming together in this beautiful story that shows humanity of both, of, of both sides. And I think as Christians, we are called to love, to forgive. I'm not telling any of you to let go of your morals, to let go of your convictions. If you truly believe something, to just you know throw that away. No, I'm saying believe that while loving the person who doesn't. And I feel like that is not present right now because we are not listening to Jesus. You know, one of the last things Jesus ever said was, forgive them for they know not what they do. And even if you think someone is doing something terrible, remember his words when he looked at us and saw us doing terrible things, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I feel like we need to take those words and let them sink into our heart, especially um, today when we see all this division on so many issues in so many places saying, yes, I have these ideas about economy, about uh, social issues, whatever. Those are fine. Have those ideas and vote the way that your heart leads you. But ultimately what you're called to do is not vote. You're called to love, serve, forgive, reach out to follow the model of Jesus. And that might look very different than, um, what is being modeled by your party or your tribe. And it might put you on the outs of your party or your tribe to do this, to reach across, to love, to serve, to look at someone and forgive them for they might not know what they're doing. But everyone has context. Everyone has a reason for uh, why they believe something, why they don't believe something. Um, and to not just assume that they're bad people. And even if they are, we're still called to forgive and love them. And, uh, and I don't see a lot of that happening right now. I don't see a lot of Christ-like behavior and I know that sounds cliche, but I, I think ultimately we have to come back and look at the example that Jesus gave us because his times were just as polarized. His times were just as politically um, angsty. And we have to say, how did Christ love people? How did, how, did, how did Jesus love people, connect to people who thought differently than him? How did he tell his disciples, who are us ultimately, um, how to interact with people 
who didn't see things or the world or salvation or God the way that they did and they understood. And every time they came up with, well, we should just dismiss them or dehumanize them or do this nothing, to know we love, we respond with love. And I think ultimately this might maybe sound like a, a you know, just a, a soft Christian, but that's how we have to respond. We have to respond with love and forgiveness and understanding and realize that we are not called to be Republican or Democrat. We are not called to vote a certain way. Um, we are called to love God and love people in the best way of our, uh, with our own ability. And ultimately we have to let our identities rise above um, the very shallow and small identities that politics offer us and have the identity that's greater than that, which is being made in the image of God and seeing everyone else as made in the image of God. And then after that, vote what you think, vote what you feel and uh, you believe is, is right. But that comes after seeing everyone in the image of God and loving them as such. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, obviously that's absolutely true. I think, so there's a couple of things that I would say. I think, you know, what it seems like the data says is you have to make the effort to have more real relationships with people. That's love. Well, yes. I mean, but that's, there's, there's lots of different ways to love. And this is a specific action plan of how to love. It's like, okay, make an effort to have real relationships with people you might not agree with. So as a specific love includes connection and interaction. Sure, but I'm trying to give actual like, you know, specific action steps of how you practical. Practical. Yes, yes. again, practical saying, okay, you say, okay, find people to have relationships and who don't think like you. Who don't think like you. And because this is a thing is like, you know, then people, one of the things, people who are more educated are more likely to have distorted views of people who are, so you think, oh, I'll just get educated. I'll just get educated on these issues. He's like, no, you will become more likely to distort the other side. So it really is important to actually get um, real relationships with people and to not only to have actual conversations when you have relationships with people who think differently of you, to have respectful conversations with them and actually, because it's hard and scary, but really to do that because then you know, so that's how you have to unlearn some things. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Unlearn and actually be okay with being wrong about some things. Yeah. And actually being okay to be wrong about some things and have, like, this is one of the problems. Humility. Yeah. One of the problems I have is that I, I don't like being made to look foolish in a mm. conversation. So before I have a conversation with anybody, I want to do a lot of research on it before, before, totally. but and things, and that's not bad to do a lot of research, but on the other hand, you know, sometimes that prevents me from actually having conversations with people. Well, and it gives you walk in with a weapon. Exactly. Yes. And so there's a certain degree of being able to say, Oh, like, let's have a conversation and have something about that's really important and be able to do that together and have relationships with people where you can do that or you yeah. humanize them. The other thing is, you know, another thing I think is, you know, the, there's, there's another aspect to this, which is, which is, difficult, which is that, you know, for some people, like it's, it's really, really personal where it's like, it's really going to affect them really. Like, it's like, oh, if this, you know, politician or this person, you know, is, is, or this law is enacted, it's going to hurt me personally in a very concrete way. And so how do we have, you know, civil conversations? So with person who's like, no, I can't have a civil conversation. You can have a civil conversation because it doesn't affect you directly. But for me, it's really, it's, it's really hurtful and, and direct. And how do we have conversation? Like that is like, I think, you know, again, it's a personal relationship thing. You have to have relationships with people so that they know that you, just because you disagree with them, it doesn't mean you don't love them, even mm-hmm. if it's something that hurts them. And the, everyone hates this quote now. And I've seen everyone, but I, I don't know who it's attributed to. Rick Warren, maybe. I've heard, I've heard C.S. Lewis. I don't know who said it. So if you said it, please let us know. We'll give you attribution. 
Sure. Attribution. Attribution. There you go. <laughs> um, but essentially it's that the world has accepted two great lies. Yeah. That if you disagree or I, I'm going to totally botch this. Essentially sure. that if you don't agree with someone, you don't love them. Right. Which is totally wrong. But people don't know that unless they have a relationship with you. Yes. And unless they they've know. seen it in action. Unless they see it in action. And that's the other thing is that the other thing is that, you know, the reason that things are polarized is partly, you know, because again, we know more people through social media and through the news than we do through people. Yeah. And the thing is, but the thing is that the news and the politics and the reason people are more misinformed, the more they're involved in politics, left and right. Actually, well, hmm, do I want to say this? Uh, no, I'll move on. Um, <laughs> it's a point. You can, you can ask me what I was going to say later if you want to. But um, if you, uh, is that, um, oh, wow, I lost it. What was it? Um, but if you, oh gosh, uh, you should have prepared and I studied should, more. I, rep, I know. <laughs> We're just having this thing. I should prepare and study more. No, no. So if you, um, uh, oh man. Well, I have something to yeah, add. Yeah, please. Yes, while go. While think, I think about this, um, this is a, a, a soft plug for our Facebook group. Mm. Uh, the Overthinkers on Facebook recently, um, I kind of did a tally up of, of who was on there. We had yeah. hundreds of people there and they're all having discussions. Please join in. We would love to have you. We're talking about art and philosophy and faith and all these big questions about life that you see in the podcast and hear in the podcast. Um, and it's just really, really fun. But what I yeah. noticed in the comments were how different everyone is. Yeah. By the way, there were, there are extreme liberals, extreme conservatives. There is old, there is young, there is black, there is white, there is straight, there is gay. We have all these different kinds of people coming in this one group and all we have is good natured conversations where people are connecting with understanding yeah. hearing different views and by the way people are, are being very honest about their views yeah. on, on big things but we have fostered as much as we can a place where people are open and willing to hear willing to listen and it was really encouraging to me we posted a little while ago how encouraging it was to see all these different kinds of people yeah. different classes and races and ages um, and orientations whatever it might be coming together and connecting over these big questions because we're all interested in finding identity above what the world says has to divide us yeah. and come together and saying we're all human ultimately. Yeah. We're all looking and I think it's just because we're, you know, we, we can talk about really important things mm. and it's, and it's still, and, and, discuss, still, them and discuss them deeply and it's still okay. And we're still together and we're still in a relationship with each other. And this is the thing I was actually going to remember is that the thing is that, um, that because all of these different news sources are vying for our attention mm. and they and the politicians are vying for our attention because we live in the postmodern era and you can't force people most people to do things you can only persuade them you have to be able to persuade them psychologically and you have to use psychology and the thing is fear and negative emotion are more powerful yes. incentives than positive emotion and so these you know are these websites news organizations politicians are using negative emotion they're using fear they're using anger they're using hate in order to grab your attention and here's the thing Both is cnn and fox news oh absolutely utilize this. absolutely everybody does this because what are you going to do you want somebody to click away from you and go to somebody else and that's the thing is there's a prisoner's dilemma regarding mm. this because if you don't know what prisoner's dilemma is i'm not going to assume that everybody does because we're not all nerds I um, don't <laughs> but it's like okay if you're the two prisoners are being held in two different locations they did the same job together mm -hmm. they did the same job mm -hmm. but they're both being said told by different people okay if you read out your friend then you'll be okay but they'll go to jail. It's like Dark Knight. Yes, it really is. Another plug for Christopher Nolan. Another plug for Christopher Nolan. But the thing is, if neither of them crack, neither of them go to jail. 
But if one of them, only one of them cracks, the other person goes to jail. And so wow. the thing is, their best case scenario is for neither of them to confess, uh, to, to rat out the other. But the, and they, and they, do they know this before? They don't know this beforehand. And so they have to say, okay, I have to, do I confess because I don't know if the other person is going to rat me out or not? Or do I try to be the good person and end up being the one holding the bag? Because that's the thing is that you're in a situation where if you are the political party or the news organization that wants to say, okay, I'm going to take the high ground and I'm not going to, you know, feed the negative emotion. Yeah. Then they, that what's going to happen to you is not that you're going to raise the level of political discourse, you're going to lose. Interesting. Because the other person is going to get the traffic to their website. The other politician is going to galvanize their forces more. They're going to, you know, it's, it's, if you point the other side as evil, it's more effective than if you paint the other side as simply mistaken. Or just trying to make yourself good. Exactly. Trying to make yourself good. You, you, you lose psychologically speaking because that, and so. And, um, monetarily. Speaking. And monetarily speaking. And so the, so the feeding on negative emotion, feeding on polarization is an example of the prisoner's dilemma. So how would we, and maybe we don't have, maybe we can, this will be the first time ever on Overthinkers where we don't have a sole answer to all the problems, <laughs> but what is this answer to the prisoner's dilemma of polarization for Christians and for non-Christians, for anybody who's in politics? Well, you were talking earlier about practicals. I talked, I talked, you know, metaphor, uh, philosophically about how we do we follow Jesus. Right. right. Yes. But in the practical sense today in a modern world, how do we do this? I think you said it, and I think it, it's a few things. Well, it's probably very wise that, then. <laughs> it actually was incredibly wise. Um, it's, for me, it's a few things that I've tried to practice in my life. Because believe it or not, even I, even me, iconoclast Nathan, can be tempted into tribalistic no. creating things <laughs> every now and again. Um, but for me, what I try to practice, and I have found it's been very helpful, is to create connection, mm-hmm. authentic, not just... Um, oh, I'm afraid of my face. No, authentic connection with people who don't think like you and don't always talk about politics. Mm. Learn the things they love. Yeah. Learn their history. Learn their context. Connect with someone who sees the world differently than you and, and then learn why they do. Mm-hmm. Connect, make, a, make it a real relationship, one where you actually care about each other. Really invest in getting to know and making connections with people who aren't like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's one really strong yeah. way. The other one is you keep on talking about the more educated you are, uh, the the less good you are, uh, useful you are at thinking about these issues. Yeah, the, the less, uh, the more likely you are to distort other people's views. M- my assumption is the more educated you are in one very uh, by by very well, the slim amount of sources. The, the thing is, what people, the reason people see is, is because the more educated you are, the less likely you are to have friends who are well, think differently than you. But no, that's yeah. the thing is, I don't necessarily agree, and no. I know this. I I think it's the more, I would guess, how did I guess, it's the more educated you are in one very slim section of media. So if you only watch liberal news media, you only watch conservative news media, then you're only going to continue thinking and doubling down in your mind on all these things that you talk about making you fearful and angry and um, ostracizing the other side. I would encourage you to, even if it hurts, if you're conservative, go read the Huffington Post. If you're liberal, go go read the Daily Wire. Learn how other people think and why they think this way and why they do the world. I'm not saying to change your mind. I'm saying so you can understand. No, you have empathy and you understand what other people say. Exactly. You can understand their fears and where they're coming from. So I would say, one, get to know people who don't think like you on a personal human level, not just political. Um, And two, learn to reach outside of your your field of education Mm -hmm. 
to understand the world and help people think, even if you totally disagree um, and, and go to places where you can learn uh, things you might not have, should right. you have stayed only in your, uh, your sphere of education. Sure. Uh, and then third, I would say it goes back to be like this is ultimately remember, um, uh, remember uh, uh, that God is God and you are not. Sure. Yep. That we are all sinful, broken, fallen people trying to figure this life yeah. out together. I don't care if you're atheist. I don't care if you're Christian, liberal or conservative. We are all in this together. We all want the same things and we are all fallen, imperfect people. And the sooner we realize and have humility about ourselves and that we can be wrong and that we have been wrong and we have done wrong, the more empathy um, we're going to have for other people. I think that's what God asks of us. Yeah. I think that the other thing is, and this is something I learned this year um, uh, really deeply, is you have to be okay with other people um, not just rejecting you, but not just people in your tribe rejecting you, not just people in your other people that you respect and admire rejecting you um, um, and calling you all sorts of names mm. because you are not letting you in their tribe anymore or and calling you all sorts of names uh, because of because you decide not to get involved in tribal politics. But you also have to be okay with the idea that they might be right. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times it hurts when somebody says you're a bad person because you are not following, towing the line on the politics. A lot of times it hurts because you don't know that they're wrong. Mm. You don't know that they're wrong that you're not like one of the bad guys because you're not part of this political movement. And and it's like, because you don't know, maybe they're right. Maybe I am one of the bad guys in the situation. And But you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with now. It doesn't make mean you're not. It doesn't give you an excuse not to, you know, um, do get be educated on issues and to find and try to find what the right thing is and to do the right thing. But that's the thing is sometimes when you do the right thing and you follow your conscience, people you respect and admire are going to say you're a bad person and you're not going to know that they're wrong. But you still have to say, well, but this is this this is what I know. And I have to follow this anyway. And I have to and love other people anyway. And if they're not forgiving, they're not that's on like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the final one I'll put on, uh, this is for all of you, liberals, conservatives, Democrats, Republicans, Christians, atheists, grow up. <laughs> grow up. Stop name calling and stop saying, well, they did it first. And stop using their behavior to justify yours. You are not toddlers in, in preschool who are hitting each other yeah. because someone hit you and someone took your plate. Grow up. You're adults. Treat other people like adults, love people, forgive, and just grow up. That's my final um, word on the discourse in America. Cool. Yeah. So no, and I, I would, you know, so my my final discourse is I'm gonna, I'm trying to, I'm is sort of prayer is actually asking other people to for prayer for that they would I would be able to know better how to love and receive other love from other people and connect with people and learn from other people. Um, even if they don't, even if they don't think like I do and to know when learning from them is learning from them and that I'm learning from them because they have something to teach me Mm -hmm. and being brave enough to have people get mad at me, being brave enough for them to teach me something I don't want to hear, um, and have be because it's true and not because I want to fit in. Uh, Yeah. That's one thing I pray for all the time for myself is just discernment. Yeah. And it's not just discernment on what issues are right or wrong, but also how to love better and how to be a uh, and how to also recognize 
but I'm human. And yeah. I'm more humble, which is a really hard thing to do now. I, you know, so it's so hard. I mean, not for me. <laughs> a little bit hard for you. Yes. You're not very. No. You're pretty humble. Like, honestly, one of the most humble you'll You're meet. one of the most humble people you'll ever yeah, meet. Yes. It's true. It's true. Well, cool. Well, there you go. We decided, jumped into politics, and I can't wait for you to tell us all how wrong we were about all the things. And I feel like we did exactly what you just did, provide really unsatisfactory answers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's what I would say is, guys, what did you think of this episode? Because this is an experiment for us. Did we get too political? Did we not get political enough? What would you have liked to see from this episode that we did not do? And we may not we may not do what you want us to do next time if we do this. But we'll but, still love you. But we'll still love you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to – I'll go ahead and – uh, how you can contact us now. Uh, if you want to tell us, go to overthinkersjournal.com and leave us a message or find us on Facebook. Uh, we have the Overthinkers group on Facebook it's a private group where we're talking about all these really interesting, fun, big questions about art, faith, philosophy, politics, everything um, that's going on. So please join the group. We would love to have you. Um, it's a lot of fun. And please let us know what you think of the episode. And also, it really helps us if you leave us a review. So please share this podcast with a friend. If you have a friend who's interested in talking about these big questions uh, and things about art, faith, philosophy, etc., please share with a friend and please leave us a review. It helps us so much to get the word out there. Um, and we are so thankful for you guys being here. By the way, we just passed a big mile marker. We have over 10,000 downloads. Of Holy podcast, cow. And we just started this podcast earlier this year during uh, no, lockdown April? as fun. Like, yeah. And it's so cool to see how many people are interested in discussing um, in, in a humble and fun and lighthearted way these topics that mean so much to us. And what, how discerning people are all around the world because they're choosing our podcast. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a few people out there with taste. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, okay. So, um, but now, and if this is, I'll make a really fun transition here. Another thing that's a problem, I think that increases the polarization is oftentimes the art that we consume. So what are some examples of, you know, blessings and curses of art that you think does a good job Dealing with politics, it makes us better mm. politically if we, you know, embrace how they portray politics and curses of examples of them doing it badly. Ooh. Oh boy. This is uh Oh yeah, this is this is where you're gonna lose some friends. Yeah, well, the funny <laughs> thing is, uh, this our, in our bless and curse segment, I was racking my mind for blessings. Right? Yeah, yeah seriously. Like, yeah. I, I have a hard time thinking of things I hate because I have so many movies I just love, I don't even think about the ones I hate. I have so many things I hate yeah. in the political realm when it comes to art um, that it was really hard for me to think of things I can bless. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm going to be reaching here. Um, I thought about blessing and cursing the same thing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I'll start with... <laughs> I will <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Yeah, this is not, I'm not going to bless and curse this one. This one does a bless. Uh, Parks and Rec. I think sure. It's a beautiful yeah. show that shows there's politics going on. I yep. love the relationship between Leslie and Ron. Yep. Uh, Lon is a Ron is a staunch libertarian, uh, more conservative esque figure. Yep. And Leslie is a progressive liberal, and they are best friends. Yeah. And they disagree about everything politically, and they love each other. Yep. And what a be- I mean, that just happens so rarely nowadays, yep. even in fiction. And so, what a beautiful way to see these two these two strong. And both, by the way, they're both portrayed as good, as, yeah. as wanting the same things, goodness in the world, um, but just having vastly different ideas about how that's achieved. But they are friends and they love each other. And beneath all of their politics, their humanity is what ties them together. Yeah. And the show is all about humanity. It's not about politics, even though they're working in a government building. Yeah. So I think 
as silly as it is, Parks and Rec really does provide this view of, yes, there's politics. Yes, we have different ideas, but we're all human underneath yeah. it. And we can love each other, even in the midst of our different ideas. Now, the show, I will I'm gonna curse. Oh, I, you told me about this one. I'm so a, excited. <laughs> it's make a lot of people angry, even my family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jesus said that you, you, even your family I will reject you. Yes. <laughs> if they do, well, yeah. I guess I'll have to figure out what to do for Christmas. But, um, but the show, I'm going to curse. And this is a show I really like, too. Yeah. Um, it's called West Wing. Mm. Some of you may have heard of this show. <laughs> it, um, it's a very, very popular show. And I really enjoy it, by the way. Yeah. I think the characters are amazing. The Aaron Sorkin's one of the most amazing oh, yeah. writers we've oh, yeah. ever seen. I'm an Aaron Sorkin fanboy. Oh, my gosh. Hard. I could watch a show endlessly. It's so good. Yeah. I need to stop blessing it. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm cursing it is because I think it's fantasy. Hmm. I, and I don't think fantasy is ultimately good for us. I think when people watch it, it gives them this fantasical view of how government works. Sure. And it's not true. Sure, and I yeah. think it, it, it shines a light on these people are the good people, these are the bad people. Yeah. And it shows an overly fantastical view of how government is. And I ultimately think if you read the words of Jesus, government is inherently corrupt. Sure. I think and both sides of it, conservative yeah. and liberal, I think inherently corrupts people. It's all about power. It's all about gaining power, getting it, uh, wielding influence over people. And so I, when I, I think when you have this kind of show, it gives people this unrealistic view of um of what politics can be and it almost seems like that a lot of people wish that politics were like what we see sure. in west wing because we no, wish it, politics were like um god like that that could be our church if it was right. like this so they, they, we have this idea west, we no, west wing does portray this as you know these are the heroes. Mm -hmm. The politicians, these are the heroes, and they're fighting the evil people in order to save us. And there are good politicians. And there are good wrong. politicians. No, but it does create that narrative of politics as a battle of good versus evil. Yeah. No. And, and it can be, but, yes. but if we look at history, it very often has not, and very usually is yeah. not. And I think it gives a false hope to people that politics will be the- I think it's very interesting that HBO Max is doing a you know West Wing reunion. Yeah. This year, because it's like people are nostalgic. Oh wait, I want to have that dream again. That that's what politics can be like. Even though it will, it's a it, it's a utopian. It's, it's, it's a fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Um, no, what, I think it's what that's, we wish politics looked like. I think that's and it gives us false hope in what it could be, and it's not going to look like that. You're such a cynic. I, I know, but I really do enjoy the show. But the funny thing is, there's another show that is always talked about and referenced to, which is House of Cards. <laughs> I think the overly. Maybe it's not overly. That's what's <laughs> it's the overly pessimistic view sure. of politics. That sure. everyone is corrupt. That no one's making good decisions. There's a yeah, and that if you do, you're going to be killed. I don't want to believe that either. Sure. Um, and now, so there's oh, that's even more likely to be. There's unfortunately, a, there's a British TV show that I know. I have a friend who's going to be very mad at me that I I don't remember the name of it. It's not the original House of Cards, is it? No, no, no. It's a British TV show. It's a comedy. No, so here's the thing. Okay, I'll use the American version just because I don't remember it. But people say, like, you know, it's politics is not West Wing. It's not House of Cards. It's Veep. <laughs> it's a bunch of buff buff selfish buffoons wa wandering around pretending they know what's going on. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. So it's, hey, it's actually a good one. That could be a good one to bless. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, probably a little too crude for this audience. But, Perhaps uh, it's like, hey, you know, if you, it's 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 very it's we'll bless it with the caveat of it's got blue yeah, humor. Yeah, with, with, with the warning. Yeah, yeah with very the warning blue. label. But I think that might be true. Um, House of Cards is too pessimistic. 
uh, Western, Western is too, too optimistic. Too optimistic, and Veep is probably more yeah. like what it looks like. The comedy <laughs> exactly. is more like what it looks like. Yes. Oh man. So your blesses and curses. So I've got uh, a few blesses. I actually want to find a few blesses and a few curses. So I'm going to bless first of all as a movie. The movie, a couple of movies. I'm going to bless. I'm going to bless. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Classic. And, and the reason I'm going to bless it is it does do the movie's thing of here is you know the hero who's going to stand up and do the right thing in politics. Mm. However. What it does is it exposes naivete on both sides because he is naive and he thinks that, you know, politics is too good and too idealistic. But everybody else in Washington – and yes, exactly. <laughs> but everybody in Washington, they all watch House of Cards and mm-hmm. they can't believe that there's somebody good like uh, Mr. Smith could exist. They think he's got an angle. They think he's, they think he's either got to have an angle or he's weak. And they don't believe somebody like his – and both of them – that he has to learn not everything. You know, he learns from – you know, from, from, from his, you know, his colleague, she tells him like, you know, that, you know, the people, the heroes that you all believed in were, were the heroes you thought, but they had to deal with the world. They were heroes because they dealt with it in the world that you're living in. And so that I think is, is really good lesson is that is to remember that you're probably naive because of your community about how the world really works. And yes, you can do great things in politics, but you also have to come from it from an understanding of who the other side is when you're doing it. And that's how you do it without getting your soul destroyed or broken. Um, I'll also say thank you for smoking. Never <laughs> seen it. Is a movie blessed. And one of the things I think is really great about it is it does help it gives makes you a, it makes sort of the lead character and the protagonist the a, a lobbyist for the smoking industry. And what the thing is is they do use that as a way to challenge the audience to actually have empathy for people and to understand a perspective of somebody who they normally would be disgusted by. And so they do, I think it's a, a great challenge sort of movie. If you want to see like a great breakdown of it, Nostalgia Critic did a great breakdown of it. And also show like how sometimes the people who are like, oh, smoking is evil are actually like more corrupt and evil than the, some, some, some of the people. It's like the person who's the good person is actually very corrupt. And so I think it's a way of saying like, oh, look, maybe some of the people that we think are bad have a point of view too. It's very challenging that way. So I would maybe say some that people think are good are good are not as actually good as we think so it's a nuanced view of humanity so it actually challenges you about your own assumptions and that's why I bless it in that way I also bless the original um, comic book uh, version of the Marvel Civil War story because the comic book did an amazing job of taking superheroes who were all good. These are all the superheroes you grew up in and love. Who want the good thing. Who want the good thing, but they have different ideas of mm-hmm. how to go about it. And they're go they're so certain about their way is right, they're willing to fight and and die against each other in order to make it possible. But and it, and and it even the conclusion shows one person he actually gives up his view because he thinks the harm he's doing in fighting is causing more harm than good. It's a very fascinating thing. And of course, that leads into my curse, which is the movie version of that story. Really? Captain America Civil I War. I love that movie. Oh, it's a fun movie. But the thing is, it still does the thing where it takes the side of Captain America and makes Iron Man's side seem weak and like you can't actually get behind it, which is fine. I think it's a very it, – probably Captain America is right in many ways. But the point of the story was to show how it's reasonable for both Captain America and Iron Man to have the views that they did. And by strong – Context. In both, I straw manning one, being like, oh, Iron Man only did that because he wanted to be with Pepper, blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes a revenge story against Winter Soldier at the end. It ruins, it doesn't practice us into understanding how, yes, there could be a hero who actually is just as good as the other person. They just have a different idea of how to apply this. Mm. I'll actually, another, uh, uh, another bless I will do, I forgot this, is Charisma on Command, the video series. 
has some great videos, particularly the one one of them, a couple of them where they uh, it was with uh, with Jordan Peterson, where he actually talks about how you can. And I know Jordan Peterson is controversial. It doesn't matter for this video what they're talking about is <laughs> how he, how he oftentimes in conversations will say like hmm, like come to the conversation being like going to being persuaded. And so it uses that as a breakdown to show how to enter conversations with other people. By the way, it's a great series in general. Yes. They, they break down a lot of public figures and what makes them successful and what they right. do. I mean, they're going on, they do Robert Downey Jr. They do all the Avengers right. and how, why we like watching these people. What about them is interesting. It's, it's like a psychological breakdown of pop culture icons. Yes, it's a great series, but this one in particular is about, oh, how do you actually enter a conversation being willing to be persuaded? And that is a really amazing skill that's important to be able to have. Now, did I have a curse? Another curse? I think I had another curse, but I don't remember what it is. And so it doesn't matter. We can just I'm move gonna, on from you know, that. I'm going to curse one more oh, um, please. show. That's just politics. <laughs> get it? Get it? To oh, show. my gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't feel like we said straw man enough in this episode. <laughs> I feel Man, like that is such 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 the amazing like very it's very like easy cynical jokes we love to make. <laughs> yeah. Congress. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Congress. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Very cool. All right. Well, you already uh, plugged some of our stuff of how to get in contact yep. with us. Do you want to do that again? Or sure. Real quick, just go to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. And that's on, on uh, Facebook, obviously. And just type in the overthinkers. And if you want to get a hold of us, send us messages, find out more about the podcast and the hosts. Go to theoverthinkersjournal.com. Awesome. And if you want to get in contact with me, josephholmstudios.com, or you can find me on the, all the socials. And I'll reiterate again, what was missing from this episode about politics? What were you offended by? What did we get wrong? And what would you like to discuss in this way in the future if you wanted to discuss anything like this at all? Or do you think we need to stay in our lane? And, and if you about? want to get a hold of me and tell me, yes, because you think I'm right, yes, <laughs> and Joseph's wrong, yes, obviously. yes, obviously, you can find me on the socials, Nathan Clarkson, and my website, nathanclarkson.me. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining. And remember, it was worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.